0: Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for priming the pump, man. Let's shout it out, right? I mean, man, like that's amazing that we get to do that. And there's just been, I think, ever since we've arrived on the property, there's just been this sense of holy awe, both in who our God is, uh, but also in the sense of that we get to do this together, that, that we're not alone. Um, I've been in lonely seasons. I remember walking into my very first advance event and it was in One Harbor in North Carolina and I was broken and I was busted and I just felt like the Lord whispered, you're home. And um, so if you're here and you're looking for some people to care for you and to partner with, this is a great place to do that. And there's old faces, like I, I don't know if you know this, but if you've been at Central, we've been doing this for a while. Like. I talked to uh, Randall Turnbow right here on the second row last night, and we, we were just reminiscing, like there was a, a, some moments that we've shared at conferences where we've prayed together, and now he's leading out uh, in Terre on their Connect team, and it's just this beautiful picture. So um, I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to, to One Life and all that you bring to your energy and your life here and the bridge. Um, Like, Fellowship Jonesboro is so grateful. So thank you for that. So we got old faces, and then there's new faces, right? I mean, um, my friends, Scott and Teresa Hollis, they're here. They were our mentors. Uh, We've known them for 17 years, and we've been disconnected for a season, but they're feeling cold and led to plant a church, and they're in the room. And then I've got my friends, Steve and Carrie Spoon from Real Church, and all that God's doing there to kind of— Turn the gospel upside down in Breckenridge, Texas, and new friends Tom and Jess Wolf up there in Anchor Point in Canada. So sorry, I I don't know your national anthem. Um, Yeah, yeah, but we might call you up a little bit and you guys can sing it together. Maybe a prophetic song, the doors that God wants to open up there. Um, But my entire life, like I, I met Jesus, I was absolutely pagan, lost, had no clue who Jesus was, how good he was, but from the moment that I met him, there's been this one overarching burning desire and passion, and it's just this idea that there's more. There's more of God for everyone to experience, right? I mean, we're satisfied in him, but we we want more of him because he's infinite and we're not. And there's more for the church that, that God wants to do inside the church. So we get these strategic meetings to kind of come together and be equipped. But there's more that he wants to do through the church. And, and that's kind of our prayer. But in this last season, we've had a real chance to experience a little bit of that more. Like, I don't know if you've noticed. I mean, all the statistics around Gen Z, like for the last few years, have not been encouraging, Right. But what does God love to do in the midst of those kinds of contexts? Like he's showing up, right? Asbury. But we've had our own, very own experience of that. I don't know if you've witnessed what's going on down here in the front. I mean, there was a conference uh, over the summer called Momentum. And I took three of our student leaders. And listen, I did not anticipate what was going to happen there. The closest thing to revival I've experienced in over 20 years The power and the presence of God drawing near in a new generation. And so I just want to thank Adam and Vanessa and TJ and Derek and Aaron and Aaron and um, uh, David and Rochelle and our church, all the people that are working with the youth. Thank you so much for what you're doing And kind of my overarching burden is like, how how do we steward this, right? How does this not just become like an event where, you know, the the things that are happening down front slowly kind of trickle off, and it's just like a distant memory to where that was the good old days. So how do we steward what God's doing, bringing all these new things together? And um, I think God wants to kind of leverage those things so that, what's happening with Gen Z would not just be a flash in the pan, but really we would turn into a multi-generational movement, right? I think if you're in here and you've been around for any amount of time, like, we want to hand the baton off well to the next generation. And so that's going to take some intentionality. That's going to take building around some values. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about how we become a multi-generational movement and a... want to talk a little bit uh, uh, from my favorite parenting book. It's written by Phil and Diane Comer, who happen to be the parents of John Mark. And they kind of talk about this cyclical nature of the people of God. I don't know if you know, have noticed this as you read the Bible, like it's not always up and to the right, like things don't always go well. There's seasons of faithfulness and then there's seasons of decline. But in their book, they kind of give this insight of of what it looks like to be a multi-generational movement. And I kind of want to frame our talk around this. They say this, so you'll notice this pattern in in scripture, the first generation experiences God, the second generation knows God but doesn't experience him, and then the third generation doesn't know God or experience him. For real faith to thrive, Each generation must become the first generation, right? Every generation has to have this real firsthand experiential knowledge of who God is, what he's done for us in and through Jesus, and what he wants to do through us to the world. So we want to become those kinds of people. And we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at the story of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to see how God, through the prayers of one woman out of a season of real decline in the nation of Israel, began to see renewal come through Samuel and into the story of David that would ultimately culminate in Jesus Christ. If you know the story of Hannah, she was the wife of Elkanah, and she was a woman that had deep pain and hurt in her life, just like many people have arrived in this room with a a sense of loss, and I believe God wants to meet us in that space. Uh, She wanted to have a child, but she also had a rival, Penina, who was basically making her life miserable on a day in and a day out kind of way. you have any people like that in your life? (laughs) I hope not. But if you do, God wants to meet us. And so we're going to read. I want to invite up Aaron King. We're going to use a scripture reader. Scripture tells us to devote ourselves to the public reading of scripture um, she's going to read 1 Samuel verses 10 through 20, and this is a personally significant passage to her, and I might let her share just a bit about that.
1: Uh, yeah, seven, seven years ago this week, actually, um, I was pregnant with our first child and um, had a miscarriage, and so um, there were times after that that we, like Hannah, did a lot of weeping bitterly, but um, verse 20, in due time, um, we had our first son. And we named him Samuel because we asked the Lord for him. So let's read 1 Samuel 1 together. Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the Lord God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, then went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, right now, we are aware of both your power and our own weakness, and we're aware of the very real things that exist in our lives and our stories. And we want you to invade every place and every space. We want you to strengthen us both as individuals and as churches, both for this generation and the generation to come. So I pray that you would do what you promised to do, which is to perform your word in our hearts and in our lives. Strengthen us as you've been doing in Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to look at three points this morning, and the first one we're gonna look at is multi-generational movements are counter-cultural. Multi-generational movements are counter-cultural. They thrive against the backdrop of spiritual darkness and spiritual apathy. So if you know anything about the time that Hannah was praying in, like this is a scene from her own prayer life, um, there's every reason for this not to happen. I mean, she was a barren woman. She had no status. Um, I don't know if you know, but this happened right after the days of the judges when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Like if there was gonna be a a movie of the book of Judges, like it would definitely have to be on HBO or something because it's not like, not gonna be rated PG. I mean, there was real darkness, right? But just think how, how amazing it is that that this woman is pouring out her soul before God. Like she's, she's there and things are so spiritually dark that Eli confuses her prayer for drunkenness. Like that's how far departed they are from actually the purposes of God, where the high priest is not even recognizing what's going on. Eli's sons, it says in chapter two, were worthless men. They were taking advantage of the people of God. They were fornicating outside the tent of meeting and all of this is going on and Hannah has real needs where she needs to encounter God. And this is precisely the kind of place that God loves to show up. Hannah is a living illustration of what's going on in the people of God in this moment. They are barren, they are fruitless, and they need God's power to break in. And that's exactly what he does. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I don't know if you've looked around, (laughs) like the trends inside of the American church at least, right? I mean, there are some wonderful exceptions in this room, but this has been a, a series of steep declines in my lifetime. Like. Um, I have seen people, I, I think I became a Christian in 1996, and steadily I've seen the number of people go down and down and down and down. Jim Davis wrote a, a book on the great de in America. It just was released, and this is the figures that he has. He says, 40 million American adults have left the church and largely in the last 25 to 30 years. In terms of number, our shift is larger than the first Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening and all the Billy Graham Crusades combined just going in the opposite direction, right? So our days are very much like the days that Hannah was crying out to the Lord. There is real spiritual darkness, real spiritual apathy, but it's in these moments that God likes to show up and perform a miracle, right? So the the point is this, if God can work in this time and in this place, he can work in any time and in any place. Right? So no matter how dark it is, like no matter how much religion exists in your city, no matter how blind people tend to be to the realities of the beauty of our God, when we cry out to him, he shows up and he works for his people. Like he wants to meet us in the midst of spiritual darkness. So we tell these stories not to have doom and gloom over these statistics. Listen, these represent real people real stories people that we know friends and mentors leaving the faith but it does leave us with the opportunity to cry out to say listen apart from you we can't do anything but through you we really do believe the truth that the light has invaded the darkness and the darkness will never overcome the light And that's so beautiful what Rigby was pointing us to in the midst of the lampstands that that Jesus is walking among us. So if there is darkness in your own life or there's darkness in the midst of um, the communities that you're in, God wants to meet you. And I remember very much a a season. It was 2020 and 2021. COVID really hit our church hard. And when I say hard, I just mean like Christians went crazy kind of hard. I don't know if that happened. (laughs) In every church, but in our church, like they're just like, hey, get out of church free card. Like we're, we're out of here, you know? And, and there were times where like, I mean, Jen and I, we would sit in the front row and there would be like, I mean, just a scattering of people and we would just lift up our eyes and we're like, God, if, if this would be a great time, like if you wanted to come back, you know? Like I was like, I'm about to get up and preach to an empty room and like I love you and I trust you, but it's like things are not going well. And I remember we were outside of Sean Craig's building. It was uh, Advanced Central, and there was this group of people, of leaders, and we got a hold of this message of the seed, that the power was of the kingdom was in the seed, and we were gonna bury that seed deep in our heart, and we we're gonna bury it in our city, and we we're gonna trust him. And over the last few years, we've seen God work just amazing things. And just to see, like, I mean, I think there's almost 30 people from Fellowship Jonesboro here today, and I just wanna acknowledge God's faithfulness in our lives like we're amazed at his sustaining grace and yeah and these folks are to be commended like Jesus loves to use darkness and he's used those things for our good so God loves to show up when things are dark and I, I do believe very in a very real and tangible way that there's going to be a, a sharp contrast between the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shines in us through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and hollow shells of religion that exist all around us. That distinction is going to grow more and more. So don't grow discouraged in the midst of the darkness. God has made us to be a counter-cultural people. And listen, if, if you are here this morning and you find yourself in that place, the bottom is never the end for the people of God right? God loves to show up for people at the bottom, and that's where he meets us. So to be a first-generation kind of people, we have to let God remake us from the inside out, and that's exactly what God does for Hannah. Our next point is a multi-generational movement is built on and sustained by prayer. I know this is radical stuff. We must continually pour out our hearts before the Lord. We wanna be shaped by the power and the presence of God. Prayer is the foundation of all that we do right now. It will be all of the foundation of what happens in this room well after we are gone, like it is our access to God. And it's not just a preliminary thing that a few people do before the service, it's how we draw down strength and power from God. And that's how Hannah lives her life. She's in this place of desperation and prayer and she pours out her soul to God. And I don't know if you've ever really been by someone pouring out their soul to God, Um, but it can be a little bit intimidating, right? Because listen, this is what I know about church. I'm in the South, maybe the Midwest, maybe the whole country. Um, You can do this thing called Christianity. You can read the Bible You can go to church on Sunday. You can participate in a small group. You can even lead a small group and never pour out your soul to God. Right? The great invitation that God has for us here is he wants to meet us in the very real things of our lives. So Hannah's example is supposed to provoke us. Look at verses 10 and 11 with me. It says, She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept Bitterly, And she vowed a vow and said, "O Lord of her hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head." So we have this example of Hannah pouring out her soul before the Lord, but you notice what she did? She asked for what she really needed. She brought her real heart desire before God. And listen, there are walls of disappointment and apathy and all kinds of things that can block out who God is and his goodness. And we can stop asking. We We can stop seeking and stop knocking. And God's great invitation is, it was in the song, that we can make room for him. Like he actually wants to meet us in the very real things of our life. He doesn't want some lower level request. He actually wants us to bring requests that are worthy of the gospel and worthy of his name and worthy of the mission that he's called us to. He wants us to be like my daughter Zoe. She's 15, like she's beautiful, she's fun, She wears her emotions on her sleeve, kinda like her dad. And you know what she wants right now? A car. Like I take her to school every single morning, I get in my car, I know, I don't even have to ask what she's the first thing she's gonna say to me. When I start the car, she's like, Dad, when am I gonna get a car? Dad, when am I going to get a car? She says it over and over. It comes up around the dinner table. You know what she doesn't do? She doesn't stop asking because she knows, like, eventually, I don't know how, but her dad's going to help her get a car, right? Now, I'm not saying you're going to get a car tonight. This isn't Oprah. But he does want to meet you in the real stuff of your life. He does want you to pour out your soul to him, to ask him for what you really need. Look at verses 14 through 16. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not risk regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So, not only does she bring her real request, she brings her real pain, right? She doesn't conceal her wounds before the God of glory. She brings all of her loss, all of her shame of being barren. Great anxiety and vexation. Listen, and that's precisely what God wants to do for us in these moments. So many of us carry around burdens that are meant to be transferred to the Savior. He wants us to cast our fears on him. He wants us to cast our anxieties on him. He wants us to meet him in the secret place and allow him to satisfy us and build us up it says she poured out her soul and I don't know if you know this I I grew up kind of like in the country a little bit and so we had a pond and we had a creek the pond I don't know if you know I had like trees that fell in it and it was stagnant and there was all kinds of overgrowth on the top and there were gnats and bugs and like you really wouldn't want to get in the pond right but then we had this creek that was this flowing water that was fresh and it was refreshing. And I went in as a young kid and I would swim in that thing over and over. That's how I spent my summers. And listen, you can become stagnant in your life and in your soul and in your ministry if you do not pour out your soul. Like you're meant to bring the very real griefs and losses and cares and anxieties to him and allow him to care for you. So God wants to meet us in that place. And that's exactly what God does for Hannah. Look at verses 17 through 20. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. I just, God dropped this phrase from Psalm 3 in my heart this morning. He wants to be the lifter of our heads. He wants, he doesn't want our countenance to be sad. It's good to bring our pain to him, but he wants to remove that in such a way that we receive joy. They rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Samuel for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So Samuel means heard of God. God answered Hannah's prayer, and I believe I was talking to Tater. Tater, where are you at? There he is, second row. He's telling me this testimony. We prayed together last conference, prayed for his healing and had to have brain surgery, and God worked a powerful miracle. I Didn't even know about that. God still answers prayer. Like, so there's all kinds of needs, all kinds of cares, all kinds of concerns. God's brought us to this time and to this place so that we can pour out our souls. And for us to continue to flourish, it means that we never lose that distinctive. That God's power in his presence wants to meet his people. And what I love about this is, this is this is the story of Hannah. This is the story of Samuel, who would become the prophet, who would anoint David, The story of the people of Israel could not be told without Hannah. I'm sure Samuel could not tell his own story without remembering his mom. I think there's an encouragement for moms in the room. Your prayers matter, right? The Lord hears. Like, I didn't know Jesus, I was a pagan, but I never questioned whether he was real. You wanna know why? Because I had a mom who was an intercessor And she was on her face and on her knees. I knew God was real because she talked to him all the time. So no matter where you find yourself, especially if if you're in one of those seasons and maybe um, there are wayward children in the picture, I think God wants to bring an encouragement that He wants to bring some prodigals home. We've been praying for some of those kinds of things. Those are the kinds of real requests that he wants us to bring. He wants us to, if if your marriage has grown cold, he wants to meet you in this space. No shame. He just wants to pour love into your hearts. If you've arrived in this place needing personal revival as you pour out your soul, he will meet you. And for the next generation, thank you so much. We need your example. And I believe he's gonna clarify your call. Like as you're here, as you've set aside time to come and serve, like he actually wants to speak to you. And that that launching pad that we had last night, just this picture of how God wants to very much clarify the things that he has. He wants to speak to us. So we're gonna make room to ask for big things this morning. But you may be here, and you may be in a place where you're like, I'm so hurting and I'm so broken, I don't even know if I can pray. Life has been so hard that I've lost my prayers, I've lost my song. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, this is, this is the, the great truth of the gospel. We have a high priest and an intercessor who lives to pray for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit when we don't know how to pray, groans and sighs that are too deep for words. Like he wants to meet us in that place. So if you don't know what to pray for, Jesus is praying, the Spirit is praying, and there's a room full of people that want to help you. Pete Gregg says this, God never forgets a single prayer that you pray. They are atomic seeds that don't go away. They radiate energy for decades to come. That means that right now, You are experiencing the result of prayers you prayed long ago or other people prayed for you. Even the prayers that you've forgotten. God does not forget the prayers that you pray. But they move his heart and he shapes lives and choreographs destinies accordingly. So God takes our real prayers of the real stuff in life and he wants to meet us as we pour out our souls. But then, finally, a multi-generational movement releases Samuel to the Lord. So there's this real call. Hannah gets what she's praying for. She gets this son. She says, if you give me the desires of my heart, I'll give him right back to you. Right? So there's this wonderful gift of we need to be a group of people as we're stewarding this moment that we release Samuels to the Lord. And, and in a very real way, that means our own children, that means the next generation. If you're a leader, that means that like, we're gonna have to make room in our life, and our platform, and our schedule to, to give other people opportunities. This means it's gonna mean more time. And um, I have teenagers on up into like, the early 20s, and I tell you what, um, my house is a non-stop counseling session. Like, and I love it, it's absolutely wonderful. But I mean, there's just times where like, I'm just ready to go to bed, and they're wanting to talk about the kingdom, and they're wanting to talk about ministry, and it's this beautiful thing. So we're gonna have to be a group of people that release Samuel to the Lord. So if you're a parent in the room, this shapes your job description, right? There's one thing that's essential. There's one thing that's important and that's kingdom impact, right? The definition of success for parents in the room has to change from maybe getting your kids to go to church one day, right? Maybe when they don't have like a special practice or ball game or some of those kinds of things, like just church when you get around to it, right? I don't know, is that how it goes for you guys? I mean, that's normal in my area, right? And it's like, The most important thing is that we're like that Psalm 127, that they're arrows in the hands of a warrior, that we pull back the bow and we release them into the mission and into the calling that God has for them. And listen, what I want to ask you as a parent, like don't adopt the American dream of success as success for your children. Like would you be okay if your kids were poor and they struggled, but they loved Jesus and they drew other people to him? Right? Can we be a group of people like that where we give up like, hey, the the popularity thing and trying to make sure that they fit in in school and all of those things. But that takes a thousand little decisions and a thousand conversations. Jesus is not an add-on to parenting. He's the main point. Right? And so we want to be a group of people where If you are a parent of a young child in the room, there's this invitation. There's a room full of people that want to partner with you to help you to do this, to raise them for the glory of God. And listen, this is not theoretical for me. Like, this is the conversations that's happening. My daughter Hannah, she's around here. There she is. She's named after this passage. You want to stand up, beauty? (laughs) She's 22 years old, got a degree, teaching, school, felt the call of God to go, and she's going to do an internship in Southlands and Berea at the beginning of the year. And so proud of you. And all of the, I mean, we haven't had a perfect story, there's been struggles and difficulties. But the one thing that's essential, she's getting and she's going. You can sit down. Let's give Hannah uh, a round of applause, encourage her, leaving behind friends and family to go to a place that she doesn't know anyone because Jesus is calling and Jesus is worth it, right? And listen, there's going to have to be gospel goodbyes like that with our children. But not only that, but then I have my, my second oldest son is in college, and he's, he's wanting to do an internship at NASA, which happens to be right down the road from One Life, right? <laughs> Yay, for me! I get to lose all my children. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But it was my birthday uh, last week, and I was sitting around the fire, and there's no greater joy to think, and I was they were all just taking time to honor me, and it was a rich moment, and to say there's no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. And then, you know, I have my youngest child, and he's 13, and he's amazing as well, and he's wanting me to hurry up and retire because he's like, Dad, I'm coming for your job, you know? So (laughs) that's gonna, and you know, that's beautiful, like, so I think we're, we're gonna bring this to a close, but I, I really want us to bring, bring it home for the next couple of minutes. I think this is a commissioning moment for us in the central region. Yeah. Will you raise and release your children into God's kingdom purposes, yeah. right? Will you partner together with the people around you to say, we're going to reject the narrative of religious apathy? we're going to reject the narrative of listen when i like i was so afraid i think god wants to bring some parents out of fear this morning i mean not only of what's going on in the world but when when i was raising my kids like i was watching like kids rebel left and right and i just thought that was like it had to go that way but listen rigby pointed us to a covenant keeping god what if we believe that god would actually meet us as we pour our lives and our souls into the next generation. I think he wants to help us to not parent out of fear, but into faith. Listen, if we partner together and do this, it can shift the tide of an entire generation. This can be the moment that we turn back the tide of religious apathy in the South and in the Midwest. We can release all of these arrows into the kingdom and see God glorified. We can stop living for a Jesusized version of the American dream where Jesus is just a cherry on top of the Sunday. Like this can change in this room and in this season, in this place. This can be a group of people that begin to live with a passion and a hunger for the power and the presence of God to say, listen, there is nothing else in this world that will ever satisfy us. And that begins, if you are a parent, (laughs) your children are probably not gonna outpace you. So if you want to model what it looks like to be hungry and to go after him. And I don't even mean like in your perfection. It also means everything that my kids have learned from me have been from my failures and seeing Jesus show up and be big. But it it takes this very intentional, hey, Jesus has got to be at the center. And I believe as we do that, there will be a a word and a spirit revival in and through our lives and our churches. So you can go ahead, everybody. We're gonna stand up can invite the band's back up. Believe God wants to make room for us to pour out our hearts to him. Believe he wants to clarify calls. So I'm going to have all the next generation take your normal launching pad spot down here up front. And let's we're going to we're going to sing a song, but I also in this I want us just to Find groups of three to five. See, I like to be ambiguous like that. Brian says four, no more. I'm like three to five, I can be flexible. (laughs) That's because I'm led by the spirit. Like I know you're not gonna do it. (laughs) I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. All right, so find groups of three to five and um, let's, let's vow together in this commissioning moment to say we want to, raise and release the next generation for the glory of God. I want some people to gather around and pray for this next generation, but also believe God has calling for everyone in the room. So this is gonna be a time to, to listen and to pray over one another. And this is also gonna take a, a moment of vulnerability. If this is a time that you know God was working in your heart when you need to pour out your soul, that may mean making your need known to other people. It may mean like finding some space and just getting on your hands and your knees and weeping before the Lord, I think there's a, there's a cleansing that comes from tears where you know that he's near. So we're just going to do that. I'm going to let the band lead us. But go ahead and form groups of three to five. And we'll pray for, for the next generation. We'll pray for these commissioning moments. We'll pray for clarity of call. We'll pray for those that are suffering.